the first time we ministered, we talked about um, how in uh, Psalms 89, 57, and the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also is in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Psalm uh, 36 1 says, The transgression of the wicked says within their heart, within my heart, that there is no fear of God before my eyes. So we looked at a definition in the Unger's Bible Dictionary uh, regarding the fear of the Lord. And it says, it is that which has its springs in love, promotes not to offend God, and to endeavor in all things to please him. It dreads God's displeasure, desires his favor. Anybody want the favor of God in here? Reveres his holiness, submits cheerfully to his will, is grateful for his benefits, sincerely worships him, and conscientiously obeys his commandments. And so we looked at uh, that uh, also that it means uh, reverence and uh, godly fear means respect, a profound adoring of him. Awe means uh, fear or dread by something great and terrible to strike with fear and reverence to influence to, f- to fear, terror, and respect, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And so the, the, um, <clears throat> so the definition basically is of fear of God is that we honor him, we uh, reverence him, we um, value him, we esteem him greatly, even above our own selves. And then we looked at last week, we looked in uh, a lot in the Isaiah 40s, and from Isaiah 40 to 49... And we looked at those scriptures last week. But a lot in there, it talks about um, who God is, who God says that he is. He talks about himself. He talks about that there is no other God before him. He couldn't find one. There is no God greater. He slung the, the stars in the space. He laid the foundations of the deep, you know, those kinds of things. And one of the things I w- uh, was taught uh, in Bible school was that doing in those scriptures, whenever something is yelling at me and telling me that it's bigger than is going to take me out or is going to put me under or is bigger than God, I get in those scriptures in Isaiah 40 through 49 and I start reading those scriptures about what God says about himself. All of a sudden your shoulders start rolling back. You, you get a, a a, a brass a rod in your back, and you're going, that's right. Yeah, there's no God greater, and he's my God. You know, so anything that's barking at you and yelling at you and telling you that you're nothing and it's going to trample over you and take you out, you get over there in those scriptures, and you start magnifying and talk about God and who he says he is. And that thing, not only what you're doing is you're magnifying God, and that thing is getting smaller. Hallelujah. So when it's yelling at you, it's magnifying itself. But when you get in his scriptures and you change that, flip that thing around. Uh, I heard uh, someone make this statement. They said that worry is the act of esteeming others' thoughts, even your own, greater than God. That worry is the act of esteeming. So we're talking about reverence. We're talking about respecting um, Others' words, the devil's words, your thoughts, greater than God. So if God says in Philippians 4, 19, uh, that, uh, is it 13, 19, that he will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if, we, if the enemy or our thoughts are saying, I'm going under, I can't pay, I won't have, and all of that, what we're doing is we're esteeming those thoughts greater than the word of God that says that he supplies all of our needs. If our body is screaming at us, anybody had your body scream at you in pain? And it's, it's screaming at you, and if you magnify that greater, what you're doing is saying 1 Peter 2.24 is less than. So we're esteeming whatever's happening that's um, in, for, first, I think it's 1 Corinthians, it talks about that uh, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God What's the knowledge of God for uh, uh, Philippians 4.19? 1 
First uh, uh, Peter 2.24. That's the knowledge that you have of God. So anything that's exalting itself, uh, trying to be higher than that, you bring that thing back down with the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I go through those scriptures and I just school myself and help myself (laughs) in who God is and what he says he's going to do and how he's done things in the past and how he's delivered me in the past. And he's going to do it again. Amen. Praise the Lord. So tonight we're going to look at um, some uh, some things regarding um, uh, the fear of God and worshiping God. And uh, so uh, if, uh, why should people fear God? Well, we looked at some scriptures that says the, uh, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It talks about uh, different benefits that we had, and we looked at those uh, when we were uh, uh, the first night. But one of those benefits says that uh, the reason why we fear God is for the good of us and for the good of our children after us. So reverencing and having respect towards God and revering him and honoring him and valuing him and esteeming him is for the good of us and for the good of those that come after us. When I was in Bible school, one of our instructors told us of uh, an account where a young lady in healing school uh, came in healing school and uh, there were some things that she was needing. And so she asked to speak with her after the class. So she sat down with her and uh, she proceeded to tell her or some things that had happened to her in her life. And she's, um, <clears throat> she had been uh, horribly raped by four men, uh, just you know, tragedy after tragedy that was happening. And she said the longer she listened to her, the matter she got and she wanted to go after the people that had hurt her. But she's trying to keep one ear towards listening to her and also one ear towards God because she doesn't have the answer. God has the answer. And so she's asking the Lord, she said, Lord, how do I help her? And he said, get her to my throne and I'll take her from there. So what is getting him to getting people to his throne for the good of us getting to his throne? His throne is where he is. His throne is where his presence is. His throne is where his help is for us. Amen. So let's go to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace and we have a grant um, and uh, obtain, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So there uh, it says to come boldly before the throne uh, of grace to obtain. So going before the throne of grace, we have an invitation from this scripture to come to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And with that, we're coming to get something. It says to come to obtain. So if you need answers, you need direction, you need something for your family, you need something for your life, you need something for your future, the throne of grace is where we go to get those things, to obtain. And find grace to help in the time of need. So when we come to the throne of grace, the throne of grace is a real place. It's not something fictitious. It is a real place that we go to. And we can get to the throne of grace uh, from anywhere. Uh, we do worship here in this room, uh, on this campus, and different services that we have. But you can get, Jesus told the lady at the well, uh, she said, your, your father say that we are to worship on that mountain. And Jesus said, now <laughs> the time is that neither your fathers or anyone else will worship on that mountain for um, uh, they will worship me in spirit and in truth. And so that means that uh, the central location of worship is no longer in a one place. But Jesus saying they will worship me in spirit, meaning in attitude or in the, in the spirit or in truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is true. So he wants us to worship him with his word. He wants us to worship him in the anointing and his presence. Hallelujah. And you don't have to have a location to do that. A fixed location. You can do it in your car. You can do it in the bathroom. You can do it in, you know, wherever you are. You don't have to go to Afghanistan to do it. Hallelujah. We used to call Tulsa, Tulsa, Jerusalem. You don't have to go to Tulsa, Jerusalem because so many major ministries in the body of Christ are in Tulsa. We call it, you know, they call places, you know, go to 
uh, Jerusalem or go to Mecca and all. We would go to Tulsa, Jerusalem to hear from God. But you don't have to go to Tulsa to hear from God. God's right here. Not only even this building, he's in here. Hallelujah. And so wherever we are, we are the house of God now. Hallelujah. He dwells in buildings not made with hands. He dwells in us. So wherever we are, wherever we go, the God, God dwells in us and he goes with us. And that's something to keep in mind. Wherever we go, God goes with us. Hallelujah. So keep that in mind. Praise the Lord. So the throne of grace is a real place. And we enter his gates with singing. We've done that tonight. We enter into his courts with praise. And we're going to look at something in a little bit of detail with that tonight. But <clears throat> what did he tell that, young, uh, tell that teacher to tell that young lady? Bring her to my throne. What is it? Draw near to my throne. Draw near to my presence. And in my presence, I will take it from there. Our, the answers will come from there. So let's look at Ephesians 2.18. And there was a time when we couldn't get to the throne. In Ephesians 2.18 it says, For through him, Jesus, we both, Jews and Greeks, have access by one spirit unto the Father. And the Amplified says, For it is through him that we both, whether afar off or near, now have an introduction or access by one Holy Spirit to the Father so that we are able to approach him. So what do we read in uh, 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 Hebrews 4.16? That we can come or we can approach the throne. We can come boldly to the throne. This says in the Amplified that we have access by the Holy Spirit to the Father. And so in this passage of Scripture in Ephesians 2, it goes uh, kind of through there and it details out that we were foreigners and we were uh, outside of the commonwealth of Israel. We had no name. We were just lumped in with the Gentile nations. And uh, we had no rights. We were not part of the covenant, so we had no covenant rights. And um, <clears throat> we had no access to God whatsoever. And we didn't have a name. We didn't have a name. We didn't have access to him. We had, and it says we were in this world without, uh, without God and without hope in the world. And so because of what Jesus did here, through him, so let's say his name. Jesus, through him, we now have access to the Father. We can go into his throne 365 days a year, 24-7, wherever we are, we can go right in to the presence of the Father. Hallelujah. And uh, <clears throat> let's look at Ephesians 3, 11 and 12. So we have access. I love that word, access to him. Um, Ephesians 3.11 says, according to the eternal purpose which he appointed in Christ Jesus our Lord, whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The authentic translation says of that we enter God's presence boldly and confidently. The translator's New Testament says, in union with him and through him, we may confidently draw near and speak to him freely. The Berkeley translation says, we enjoy the confidence of an unreserved approach. The Amplified of verse 12 says, in whom, because of our faith in him, in Jesus, we dare to have the boldness, courage, and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Hallelujah. So we can go into God's presence because of the dispensation of grace that we are in. We can go into his presence. At one time, we couldn't go into his presence. That um, We're going to look at the tabernacle here in just a minute, but um, only uh, certain people could go into his presence at that time. And so now we have access. We don't have to slither in. We don't have to come. Anybody have pets when they've done something wrong? What do they do? They come crawling along on the side of the ground because they know that you know they left a present in the house somewhere, right? Yes. 
that they've done wrong. And so what do they do? They get as low as they can because they are under condemnation or whatever it is because they know they've done something wrong. We don't have to approach God that way. Because of the blood of Jesus, he says to come boldly into his presence. He says to come confidently into his presence, that we have access to him, to go in and talk to him and sup with him and fellowship with him. And we don't have to go in with fear. Hallelujah. And that because of him and because of that confidence, um, you know, if, uh, if you've done something wrong, if you not treated your neighbor right, if you know that God knows something uh, that you didn't do or were supposed to do, what do you do? You get it taken care of. And we're going to give you some uh, ways to do that here in just a minute. So the word talks about, let's go to Hebrews 10, 16. So we don't have to have uh, shame or guilt or condemnation to come into the presence of God anymore because of what Jesus has done. We don't have to have a reserved approach. We can have an unreserved approach right into his presence. Hebrews 10, 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Isn't that comforting to know? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest, hallelujah, we have a high priest that is sitting at the right hand of God right here tonight. He's ever making intercession for us. So if nobody else is praying for you, Jesus is praying for you. Hallelujah. And having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. So these are cleansing agents that the word tells us that if we do have sin, if we have done something wrong, that we don't have to stay in that place. We take the blood of Jesus and clean that mess off of us. We take the washing of the water of the word and clean that off of us so we can boldly go into the presence of God. We can boldly go into his throne to receive grace and help in the time of need. Glory to God. Let's go to Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience? So if you've repented, if you've asked the Lord to forgive you and the devil keeps bringing that back, you've got a scripture right here that says that he will purify your conscience, the memory of sin. He'll take away the memory of sin and dead works to serve the living God. So when we sin, those are dead works. They're offered in uh, a different kingdom that we've been translated out of. And it says that this word, the blood of Jesus says, Hebrews 9, 14, says that he cleanses us. He purges us, our conscience of dead works. So whatever you did, even if you sinned before you came in here tonight, it's dead works. And it can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And be washed away by the washing of the water of the word. The Amplified says to purify your conscience of that verse 14. Purify your conscience from dead works and lifeless observance to serve the ever living God. Hallelujah. So, uh, Wesley, if you would go ahead and put that picture up for me. You know, we don't always know the answer to everything that we have in our life, but we know someone who does. We serve someone who does. Uh, The one who does is our father. He's our king. He's, He's the one we worship. He's the one that we adore, the one we just sang about. Hallelujah. And so uh, in the in the desert, the Lord talked to Moses about making a tabernacle. 
And uh, we talked about going into his uh, courts with singing, going into his, his gates with singing, his courts with praise. And so this is a, a physical picture of how they did that. And at this time, only the priests could go in. When Moses was going out to the, the tent of meeting, uh, the people would stand in their doorways and they would watch him go. And they would watch how God would answer him uh, at the tent of meeting and the Holy of Holies. And they would stay in their tent. But Joshua says the son of Nun went and he hung out uh, in the presence of God. And so they would enter in here where number one is. And then they would go in and there was activity that took place around uh, the sacrifices. They would bring sacrifices there to sacrifice for sin and ask God for forgiveness. They had the labor there where they were, would wash themselves once that was taken care of. And then uh, number four there is a, um, is a veil, the first veil. And that would lead you into the holy place. And so, um, so this is a replica of what, what it looks like in heaven. He told Moses to make a, um, a representation on the earth of what the worship place looks like in heaven. He's just trying to get us on the earth used to when we get there. Amen? So he, this is practice. This is practice. You know, I don't know if you, uh, as young in the Lord, they talked about doing rapture practice, get ready to go up, you know. So our worship and our praise here on earth is preparing us when we get there. Hallelujah. So when we get to heaven, worship in heaven should not be unfamiliar to you. Worshiping around the throne should not be unfamiliar to you. Hallelujah. Because God has given us an opportunity here for practice on the earth. Hallelujah. So that number four there, there's a veil that's there. And behind that veil, past that veil, only the priests could go behind there. And they had certain amount of activity that they had to do there. And so you can see that there's a lampstand. You can see there's an altar of incense. There's a table of showbread. And so as you see those things there, there are those things in heaven as well. The bronze laver, the, uh, the bronze altar, all of that is representation of things that are in heaven. And so that's how God told him to build uh, the temple. And so around where the altar was is, again, a place of sacrifice. We know at one time that God had them to bring animals to sacrifice for sin. And uh, until Jesus, <laughs> he was our last lamb that was sacrificed. And there's no more, uh, again, sacrifice for sin. And so with that, um, uh, the high priest, and they had different operations and things that they did. So not everybody could go in to the holy place. So there were those that were designated to do the sacrifice for sin. There were those that were designated at the labor for the washing, you know, washing of their hands and all of that. And then there were others that were designated to go into the holy place. And then number five is the holy of holies. And there's another veil there. And only one person could go behind that veil and only once a year. Hallelujah. And we know that on the day that Jesus died, it says that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. This right here gave us no access to God. Hallelujah. Unless you were the prophet, the priest, and the king, you had no access to God unless you went to them. And they spoke to God on your behalf, and he spoke to them for you. Hallelujah. But because of Jesus and because of what he did, because of his sacrifice on the cross on that day, when he gave up the ghost, it said that the veil of the temple, that, sec that, that uh, uh, third veil, it tore from top to bottom and opened up so we could now go into the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. We have access to God now. Where we did not have access before, we all have access to him. Hallelujah. Uh, Aldo doesn't have more access to God than I do. I have a, a, a friend that says her mom would say, people have as much as God as they want. And he, by breaking that veil, by splitting that veil, said, anybody that want to come, come. Anytime you want to come, this is where I am. Come see me. Hallelujah. And if we're lacking in that, no indictment to you. I've been there before myself. But he is 365 days, 24-7. We have access to God. Amen. We don't have to call the prayer tower in Tulsa at ORU. They have a prayer tower there, so you don't have to call. You don't have to call TBN to get them to pray for you. Hallelujah. You have access to God 
wherever you are, all by yourself. Amen. Glory to God. So in that instance, not everybody could go in. So I remember in, um, uh, when I was in school, they would tell us, you have to be careful. Now, if y'all have been in Bible Institute around here and, and even more school and ministry, you, the, for those two years, you're hooked up to a spiritual IV. We are pumping, 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 pumping the word in you. And so uh, you don't even know how much you don't know until you get out and that's not happening anymore. And so we were there and we were having the word of God pumped, our spiritual IV hooked up. You know, we're in school uh, four hours a day and then I would go to prayer school and healing school after that. Then you got church on Sunday and Wednesday night, special meetings and all of that. Man, we were in a spiritual heaven. So when we were about to graduate, our instructor told, one of our instructors told us, you have to be careful. And of course, this was a ministry training school. She said, you'll have to be careful once you get out of here that you don't neglect your fellowship with God. Uh, you have relationship with God because of what Jesus did by his blood. That means you're related to him. But not all of your relatives do you have fellowship with. Right? You got some distant cousins that... Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing going on, you know, that you don't have regular fellowship with. And then what fellowship you bitty. that's enough for me. Okay, I'm going back to my house, right? But with him, we have access to him all the time to be in his presence. So, um, and so she would say, you know, you have to be careful when you get out of here that you don't neglect or you don't get too polished in ministry that you don't need to go in and seek God. And I thought, she don't know what she's talking about. Until a few years ago, here at this very place, pastors were away praying. And uh, so um, <clears throat> the Lord told them to tell me that time in the church is not time with him. So what we do for God is not being with God. Out of what a being with God we do what he says, and we do work that he tells us to do, right? So doing work for God is not the same as spending time in his presence. One of the things he's been doing with me the last two years, two and a half years, is practicing quietness in his presence. And so one of the things here uh, with, the, with the, uh, the tabernacle is where the sacrifice is and where the cleansing is, there's activity going on all the time. There's stuff going on there all the time. And in our lives, we got stuff going on all the time, all the time, all the time. There's a lot of activity, uh, <clears throat> you know, and we're doing good things. We're doing maybe even God things. Lots of activity, but we never enter in to the holy place. One of the daily breads that uh, Pastor did just recently talked about, are you doing things that God told you not to do? And are you not doing things he told you to do? And so we can be doing good works and good acts and all of that kind of stuff, and we can spend our Christian activity around doing stuff and never go in to the holy place and never go in further to the holy of holies. Hallelujah. So a lot of people in Christendom, spend their life around where the sacrifice was. They spend their life around where the sin is. They spend a lot of their life around where the cleansing uh, is and at constantly asking forgiveness for sin. Maybe this, the, the, their mind or their consciousness is not cleansed from uh, purified form, from sin <clears throat> or guilt of sin. And so they spend a lot of time, you know, and they won't go into his presence because they feel like they got to pay a penalty. We got to do something out here in this activity realm. Uh, <clears throat> this comes up. Um, Brother Hagen, uh, who uh, was trained us in ministry and all of that, he, um, he and his wife were praying for a missionary. This missionary and his wife were on the field and they got sick, and he got sick, and so he had to come home. And um, so they go to his house and they're praying for him. And uh, so he's laying in the bed. And Brother Hagin's standing here, and then this, th there's a doorway. And Brother Hagin looks up from prayer, and he sees Jesus standing in the doorway. 
And so uh, he says to the man, he didn't say that Jesus is there. He just said, Jesus is here to heal you. And he said, brother, receive your healing. The man got up out of the bed, walked over towards the door where Jesus was standing. He got close to him. He dropped his head and he dropped his hand. And he said, I can't. I just can't. He turned around, went back, got in the bed. So they went back to praying and went back to praying. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Brother Hagin said to him again, uh, Brother, he said, Jesus is here to heal you. He's here to heal you. And, um, and so he, the guy got up out of the bed, walked over towards Jesus in the door. He got close to him. He dropped his hands. He dropped his head. And he said, I just can't. I just can't. Went back and got in the bed and he did it a third time. And he said, because I had not done everything right for the Lord, He's hanging around where sin is, confession of sin, forgiveness of sin, or unforgiveness of sin. He's uh, hanging around that place instead of going on into where Jesus is to receive of him. And he said, I just can't. I've not done, I've not obeyed God. I've not done some things in my life that are right, and so I just can't. And he stayed there in that bed until he died. So the consciousness of sin, the shame of sin can cause us not to obtain and not to receive what we need from him, even though he physically shows up present in the room. Sin and guilt keeps us out. The reminder of sin keeps us out of his presence. And he tells us to come boldly to his throne to receive of him. So... Uh, very often, the Lord will do this with me. There's a song by Lauren Harris, and it says, it's, the title of it is, I Miss My Time With You. And I'll hear that playing in my head, and I know, oh, okay, I've gotten busy again. I need, to get, I need to get that corrected. But uh, that activity and that being busy and all of that, what he's done lately for me is just set me down in quietness and in rest. Not quote a whole bunch of scripture. Because that's activity. That's religious activity. Father, what do you want to do right now? I've been watching uh, HGTV, my favorite programs, and I know he's sitting in a certain place in my house. And I just sense that, come sit with me. So there's a, a, an area that I have in my house I call the Dream Theater. That's where I go and uh, do vision boards and all that kind of stuff for the Lord. And he was sitting on the, la- on the landing uh, to go upstairs. So I went and sat down on the steps, <clears throat> and at first when I got there, I could hear the TV was still on. So I got up and I ran, turned the TV off. <laughs> then I came back, and uh, then I heard something else on. Oh, the TV in the bedroom was on. So I ran and turned that off. Then the washing machine was going. And I saw all this. And so what is it? Activity, activity, activity. And then I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, just sit with me. Just come sit with me so I sat down and then your mind goes everything you thought you weren't even thinking about it and all of a sudden you're quiet and those things are coming to your mind I remember one night after a Wednesday night service I think it was last year um, you know I got home I got in my garage and I have a house that I can go into but uh, I was sitting there in the garage and um I think I was doing something on my phone, and then the, the garage light went off, and the car, the lights in the car went off. And then I just sat my phone down, and so it was just dark in the car. And I realized he was there. And so for two hours in my garage, in the dark, I sat there with him. Not a word. Just being with him. Y'all know how it was when you were dating somebody. You just wanted to be with them, right? And even if they weren't saying anything, you just held hands or just sat with each other, you know, and hugged and held hands or whatever you did. He's just like that with us. We're his kids. And he wants to, the reason why we're here anyway is because he wanted a family. Hallelujah. He wanted us. He likes us too. Not just love us, he likes us. We have family we love, we don't like them too much. But he likes us. He wants to be with us. So just teaching you how to slow down and be in quietness and be in rest. And I have to be all the time. 
And sometimes we're afraid to do that because he will start talking. He will start showing up. Have you ever been in a worship service? And you've been worshiping along, and you got your hands raised, and you're singing the song with the praise and worship team, and all of a sudden, the conversation you just had in the car on the way to church this morning or tonight comes up. And it didn't come up for condemnation. It comes up because he wants you to do something with it. He's shining his light on that area so that you can fully go into his presence and you don't have the devil beating you up going, you can't enter the presence of God because you talk to your spouse that way on the way to, you talk to your kids this way on the way to church this morning. It's awfully quiet in this room. <laughs> Hallelujah. You talk to somebody on the phone regarding a bill or something, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know if you've done this, but I got dressed in my closet or just grabbed something and put on. And then when you get in more light, you notice blemishes on your, you know, the hamburger sauce, <laughs> you know. And so when we get in his light, we see light. We see things about ourselves, and it's not for condemnation. It's for him, us to lose, use those cleansing agents, the blood, get it all washed off, get it out of the way so that we can go in and not hang around where the activity is. Hallelujah, we go on into his presence. And so when, um, let's see here. So when those things happen, just take a little break. Don't get, oh, just drop your hands and you sit down and, oh, I can't worship. Go, Father, thank you for showing me that. Sometimes you may have to get out of your seat and go somewhere in the sanctuary and say something to somebody to get it cleaned off and get it taken care of. You just acknowledging that it was there is <laughs> not enough. He brought it to light for you to do something with it. Amen. And even if you say, Father, I, I saw that. I, I'm thank you for showing me that. I'll take care of that, you know, as soon as the service. Maybe they're whoever's working in nursery or something like that. Or you got to call somebody back when you get in the car. I promise you, Father, I'll take care of it. So you can get it washed off. You can get it cleaned off and press on into his presence. And it's in his presence where he changes us. He changes our desires. He changes our emotions. He changes how we feel. He changes how we look at things. He changes our perspective at things. It's in his presence. So we don't want to stay on this side of the veil because there's more parts of him, <clears throat> excuse me, to be had past the veil. Amen. And there's a scripture in Hebrews that says, Hebrews 10, 19. Let's see. Uh, maybe that's not the one. Well, let me give you these and then I'll give you that one. So Hebrews 10, 19 says, So my brothers, let us enter boldly into the holy, most holiest place of all. He has um, very presence. <coughs> Excuse me. The New Living Translation of, of Hebrews 10, 19 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So we can enter into the holy of holies now because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The Doddridge translation of that says, let us not stand at a distance. Let us not stand at a distance as if God were inaccessible. But in, on the contrary, let us draw near with a sincere and affectionate heart and a full assurance of faith supported by such considerations as these, which may well embolden us to make an approach unto him in the most cheerful expectation of his blessing. Isn't that something? Let's not stand at a distance and think that God is inaccessible. Even when we mess up, the place to go is to him, not from him. <laughs> go to him. He knows anyway. Praise the Lord. 
the Levitt translation says, let us as members of his family exercise our right of access to come closer to the Father. We must come with childlike faith and the unshakable assuredness that he is eager to receive us. So your puppy <laughs> or cat, whatever, on the ground, you, they're thinking you're not eager to see them because you know that something is left in the house that's not supposed to be in the house. He's saying not to approach him that way. He says to come with full assurance of faith that he's eagerly awaiting us and to bless us when we get there. So he wants us to come into the holy, holy place of all. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews 10.20 Hebrews 10, 20. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So he gave us access through his flesh being broken, by his flesh being torn, by his flesh being ripped apart. He gave us access. What keeps us out of the presence of God now? Our flesh. Our flesh that wants activity, 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 activity. We, you know, we know we did something, and we know God's displeased with us, and we don't want to go into the holy place because that's going to show up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, <clears throat> so, um, so the veil of his flesh, so that's already done. But even if we press past that first veil there and get into the holy place, so getting into that place and be, getting comfortable, we get comfortable. You know, okay, this is better than being around all the, uh, the this, is a, this is a good place. I like God here. I'll raise my hands this far. I don't know about them holy rollers. I, I, I'm not going to run. I don't think I'm going to jump. I might move my foot side to side or something like that. And so pressing in a little further into his presence and going through that veil, People get comfortable there. And that's a comfortable place in the holy place. And it's good. I mean, you know, you can get God and uh, have a good relationship with God there. But there are deeper places still in him that we have access to. And we have to go past that a second veil to get there. Hallelujah. And that's where he's wanting us. That's the whole reason why that thing was opened up, because he wants us to come there in the holy of holies, in the most holy place where God is, his presence is. He wants us there in that place with him. He was not satisfied of being in a temple in a, in a desert. He was not happy in Solomon's temple. He wanted to be in us. In John 14, 17, it says that Jesus said he will, the Holy Spirit, he will be with you and he will be in you. So he wasn't satisfied in being uh, in um, brick and mortar houses anymore. His habitation now is in us. The Spirit of the Lord is on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And so we want to go to that holy place. We want to go deeper with him. The reports that we're getting and seeing of uh, universities and colleges and all of that, they're going into a deeper place with him. And maybe it's even deeper, maybe it's even deeper from the, the cleansing and the, con the confession place where the sacrifice of sin was. But they've gone into the holy place. They like the holy place a lot, and they're doing it 24-7. But even in that, there's greater places of God to be had there. Um, <clears throat> years ago, uh, Jesse DePlanis had an encounter with God, and uh, he was taken up to heaven. And uh, in his account, uh, uh, he had an escort around heaven. And uh, he saw this creature flying around the throne of God. And it just the whole time he was there, it's this creature flying around. And so he asked the escort, what is that creature? And he said, the, the escort told him, he said, that creature has been flying around the throne of God for eons. And every time he passes, he sees a different side of God he's never seen before. So that means what we've experienced in him here, there's more. There's more deeper still of him to be had. Glory to God. You know, <clears throat> I, I told the account of when 
I was in here walking one morning. It was after a saturation service. And um, so I, I'm walking, trying to get my steps in, you know, and get my, you know, 10,000 steps in and all that. And I uh, sensed the Lord wanting me to come to uh, the nursing mother's room, what used to be the prayer room. So I still pray in there. And uh, was sensing him drawing me. What do we do when he draws us? We draw near. Amen. So I want to get my steps in. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm like, I got to get my steps in. And I knew I was irritating him, so I went ahead and stopped. And I went in there, and I said, what do you want? And he said, just yield. And the more I yielded, the more his presence came. And so uh, I've never experienced him this way. <clears throat> I know he's almighty God. I know he's alpha, omega, beginning, and the end, the first, last, all of that. But when I was in that room... I've never been afraid of God before. It, the awe of him was so great, I was afraid. And one of the definitions of um, fear of God is terror. I was afraid because his power and his holiness and his all, just being consumed by all of him at one time, my body could not take it. All I could think in my head, if I could get to Pastor Rhonda, if I can get to Pastor Rhonda, she can get me out of this. And so I fiercely tested her a message that she couldn't understand or decipher. And so finally they came down here and had to pray to release me out of that place. I never experienced I've experienced him in great and marvelous and wonderful ways. As my daddy in my living room, uh, I've experienced him filling up my car, car so greatly that I had to get out and run around my car to get him off of me and stuff. You know, I've, I've experienced him, deep, but never the awesomeness of God like I experienced in that room. And he wants to manifest himself. I didn't ask for that. I wasn't praying for that. But my heart all that weekend was, Lord, I am hungry. I'm hungry for you. I'm not satisfied in where I am right now. Nothing else matters. Nothing else in this matters more than you. I hunger and I thirst for you more than my necessary food. And at times I was saying it by confession because I didn't believe it in myself. But he met me in my cry. And he'll meet you as well. Hallelujah. So he wants all of us to experience him and experience his presence and his love and his goodness and all that he is. And in that place, we become more and more and more like him. Hallelujah. So what he told that girl in the beginning, the story I told you about the instructor talking to that girl, and he said, get her to my throne. What do you do when you get to the throne of God? You know, sometimes in services or maybe in your devotions or a time that you worship him in your car or whatever, you've, all of a sudden you find yourself uh, in the presence of God. You wonder, how in the world did I get here? And then the next day you want to get back there again. You know, and, and that's another thing. He don't like pushing buttons and levers and let's do this again. And, you know, we like form and we like ritual. Let's sing that song again. Let's, you know, we ran around the room that day. Let's sing that song again and all of that. <clears throat> but he likes us to come to him. Father, what do you want today? What do you want to do with us today? So when you get to the throne of God, what do you do? What do you say? Who is God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you just talk to him. You just talk to him. Father, I come before your throne right now. And I'm so grateful that there is a throne to come to. I know that at one time I didn't have access to your throne. And I am so grateful today for what Jesus did for me. Father, you thought of me and you sent him. You knew that I was sitting in darkness, in my trespasses and sin. And you did not leave me there in that dark place. You thought of me and you sent your only begotten son for me. And I am so grateful and I am so thankful. Father, I know at one time I didn't have access to you. 
And I'm so thankful and so grateful to you now that I know I can come to you regarding anything in my life. That I know that you want to be with me. Father, I am so grateful and so thankful for the fact that you're faithful. We sing about how great is your faithfulness. The word says that your faithfulness is to the clouds. And so, Father, you're faithful to every generation. And, Father, you're faithful to your word and you're faithful to me. And I'm so thankful that I can come to you. Father, I didn't have an earthly father that represented you in the right way. But you have since shown yourself to me as a good, good father. <laughs> because I didn't experience it in a natural way, you showed yourself to me of what a father should be like. And I'm so thankful to you that you have. Father, I thank you that you call me daughter. I thank you that you want to be with me. I thank you that you're, you're calling me and drawing me even closer still in times that I've had and experienced you and that there are sides of you that I have yet to discover and you want to show them to me. And I'm so grateful. Father, not only do you sit at a throne, but you sit upon the throne of my heart. You are the ruler of my heart. And so from that place, uh, your instructions come, your love come, your goodness comes, your giving comes, your peace comes, your health comes, your provision comes from the throne of my heart that you sit upon. Father, I'm so grateful, so thankful that I don't have to be afraid anymore to come into your presence that Jesus made sacrifice for me so that I can come boldly into your presence anytime that I want to. And Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for your willingness to come to die for me. You even told me one time that if I was the only one, you would have come just for me. Such great love that you've shown and that you've given me. And not only did you say that you love me, you showed that you love me by giving your life. Jesus, thank you for taking stripes up on your back for me. Thank you for with every whip, uh, a snap of that whip, healing was being rent for me, for my body, for my mind. Thank you, Jesus, when they put that, cro that crown upon your head of thorns. It was for my peace. If it was for my solace, if it was for my quietness, that your peace was disturbed for me. Thank you, Jesus, for walking up on this earth 33 and a half years without sin. Not only were you thinking about the Father, but you were thinking about us. You were thinking about me. Thank you, Jesus, for walking every day of your life, being tripped up by an enemy for me. When they led you away as a lamb to the slaughter, you never said a word in your own defense. <laughs> you pray for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank you for carrying that cross. Thank you for hanging up on a cross for me. Thank you for being nailed there before everyone spat upon for me. 
thank you for dying for me. Thank you for restoring unto me everything that the enemy has stolen. You brought that back for me. Thank you for going into hell for me so I don't have to go. You bore every sickness and every disease, every sorrow, every grief in your body on the tree. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for paying the penalty in hell so I don't have to go. And you rose up victorious with keys in your hand. And you gave me the keys. <laughs> so I can rule and reign in my own life. Thank you, Jesus. And now you're sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on my behalf, on our behalf. <laughs> Thank you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you tonight in all of our ways, and you direct our path. Jesus said that it was necessary for him to go away so that you would come. He said we needed you. You are our guide. You are our comforter. You are our advocate. You are our intercessor, our standby. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit for being our helper. We don't have to navigate this life alone. We have you with us. Thank you for taking the things that are of the Father's heart and showing them, declaring and decreeing unto me those things that are in his heart. Thank you for showing us Jesus, not pointing to yourself, but pointing us back to Jesus and the work that he has done. You don't ever speak of yourself but you ever speak of him and his sacrifice and what he's done. Showing us by example how to defer to one another. Holy Spirit, you're the one that penned this word through holy men of old so that I would know what the Father has said. You moved upon them and they wrote in black and white so that I could have the Father's words written down and not only that, you are the revealer of that, that word that's written down. You show me what it says and how it applies to my life and how it make a difference into my life. Thank you, Holy One. I don't ever have to walk alone because you're here with me. Hallelujah. Father. Son, and Holy Spirit, what a work you have done. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Dapo, if you would come. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your people tonight. We thank you for bringing this subject of fear of the Lord to our attention, uh, to the forefront in us again. Father, we thank you that we don't have to walk in darkness regarding the subject and you're highlighting to us that, and even through men in our lives that have been um, uh, mentors to us, that until reverence and until honor and respect comes back into the house of God. To the people who are outside of our four walls that as they walk in darkness and they walk in not in the fear of the Lord and there is no fear of God before their eyes there's no fear of God in them or before their eyes let us be that representation let us be an extension of you that wherever we go just like Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the Father Let us be that representation in the earth when they look at us as they saw the disciples. I take notice of you that you have been with Jesus. Smith Wigglesworth said, a man said to him on a train, what is it about your life that convicts me of sin? That the presence as we go into the holiest of all, 
we carry that sweet smelling savor with us wherever we go. Hallelujah. So there's this song that I've just been rolling around in my heart. And uh, a lot of these songs we were singing in the last three weeks were things that I cut my teeth on when I was young in the Lord. But this one I thought at the end of this would be a, a good song. And I asked them to, to put the words up and I'm going to attempt to sing it to you tonight. Hallelujah.
lift up voices. Hallelujah means the highest praise. Hallelujah. 